Amen. Well, good morning. I want to welcome you again to Element Church. My name is Adam Young. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, like I said earlier, we're just really excited that you're here on this Labor Day weekend uh, to celebrate uh, the goodness of our God. Now, um, what I want to do is I, I, I want to take a little bit of a different approach um, in our message this morning. You know, obviously this is Labor Day weekend. Um, some of you, maybe many of you, get to take tomorrow off, which uh, is exciting. You're welcome to say amen at that point. Um, not all of you do, for those of you that don't. Uh, I'm very sorry. The rest of us wish that you did. Um, but hopefully you'll be able to find a, a time uh, in the very near future to get some extra rest and relaxation. Um, you know, Labor Day as a holiday, um, I didn't realize this. I was just kind of searching around Googling stuff because that's what we do. And um, uh, Labor Day started back in the 1800s, in the 1880s, um, locally and with local labor unions and states. And then it was in the 1890s uh, that it was passed by Congress as a national holiday in order to celebrate all the uh, accomplishments and achievements of the American uh, labor and workforce. And uh, I find it funny that the way we celebrate our great achievements with work is to not work. But... Um, I hope you get the day off tomorrow. I hope you enjoy uh, and are able to relax a little bit uh, and, and enjoy uh, reflecting on the accomplishments that even your personal work has, whether it be with our economy or just in the individual lives of people that you interact with and touch on a regular basis. Now, here's what I want to do today. Today, I want to talk about work and to provide a biblical perspective on why work matters. Now, I know, not necessarily the most exciting topic, because some of you are thinking like, no, I come to places like church to get away from work and to not have to think about it. Um, but maybe after we talk a little bit about it today, it will give you a new perspective, especially when you go back to work on Tuesday morning, about what it exactly is that you're doing and why you're doing it. And so we're going to look at some scripture passages today. Um, all of those scripture passages are already laid out in the Bible app. And so if you want to open up the Bible app, um, you can follow along with us there. Um, if you would like to give, like Monica talked about, this month we're doing a special missions offering. And so any, any money that you give specifically to missions, all of it is going to go to the Colorado Mission uh, Giving Fund uh, in order to support things like disaster relief. Um, that video you were watching there was um, as they were interviewing people who were going to clean up after the East Troublesome fire from last year. Um, and so disaster relief is one of the things that uh, our church supports around the state of Colorado. Throughout the month of September, every Sunday, we're going to highlight something else that our church is a part of partnering with in the state of Colorado. When you give to the general fund at Element Church, a portion of everything that's ever given here goes to support um, missions and mission work in Colorado. It's just this month we're doing a special offering for those of you who may be interested in giving above and beyond to that. And so uh, the giving link is there in the Bible app as well. And so here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start by just making some observations, looking at some scripture, and then landing the plane on why this really matters for our lives. And here's the first point that we're going to make today. Work was a part of God's grand design. Now, here's why this is important. 
is when we talk about God's creation, you know, you just watched that video on Genesis chapter 1 when God created um, all that exists uh, in our kids' Bible story video. I don't know if you know this, but our church does a, a curriculum that goes through the entire Bible on a three-year rotation. And over the course of three years, we go from the beginning to the end all the way through the Bible. And today actually marks the beginning of a new three-year rotation. And so we just saw the first story of creation out of the Bible this morning. And a lot of times when we think about creation, we think about God's perfect design and then how sin messed everything up. And because so many of us sometimes view work as just something you have to do, something you have to get through, it's tough and it's difficult. Um, we often think about work not being a part of God's grand design, but what we notice is that long before sin ever enters into the world, God designed us to work. So here's Genesis chapter 1, 27 through 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God created us and gave us tasks to subdue and to have dominion over all of creation. Now, chapter 1 of Genesis is sort of a 30,000-foot view of creation. Chapter 2 of Genesis is like putting a microscope on the last part of it when God creates man and woman. And here's what we see in Genesis 2 when we sort of get that zoomed-in view on humanity and we get more specifics about what God created and designed us for. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. This is long before sin enters into the world. You and I were designed to work. You and I were designed to create. You and I were designed to cultivate. Now, we can recognize that because of sin, work is more difficult. It's more difficult to get the results that we wanted. Because we have to interact with people, whether it's coworkers or bosses or customers, we recognize that sin has fractured this world and humans and our relationships. And so work is more difficult than God designed it to be. There are more challenges. But God's original design for you and I was for us to work, for us to create, for us to be a part of something, for us to cultivate Work was part of God's grand design. It was not a result of sin or a punishment for sin. You and I were designed to work. Here's the second observation we're going to make today. All work is sacred work. Now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to look at a passage of scripture to illustrate this out of Exodus 31. Let me give some context for what is about to happen in this passage before we read it. So, this may be helpful to some of you who are newer to Christianity, newer to reading the Bible, newer to understanding how the whole Bible fits together as one big story. So in Genesis chapter 12, we're introduced to a man named Abram. He would later be known as Abraham. 
And God comes to Abraham and says, hey, I am going to create something special through you. And I'm going to do it through your family. And Abraham's like, well, that's a problem. Uh, because when my wife and I were in our prime, we couldn't have kids. And now we're well beyond our prime. And God says, that's exactly why I'm choosing you. Because when I do what I'm about to do, I want the glory. I don't want you getting the glory. So I'm taking you because you can't have kids. Because you couldn't when you're in your prime and now you're too old for them. And I'm going to tell you this, Abraham. Your descendants will outnumber the stars in the sky. And that's exactly what God did. God gave Abraham and his wife Sarah children. One of his descendants, his grandson, was named Jacob. That was his name given at birth, but his name would later be changed to Israel. And through him, we would get the Israelite nation and people. This is the lineage through Abraham. God said, Abraham, I am going to bless you so that I can bless all the nations of the world. Now we see, that pro- we see this problem throughout the Old Testament of Israel wrestling with this promise. But we see it ultimately fulfilled in Jesus, who was a descendant of Abraham, who was the blessing sent to the Israelite people, who would eventually bless every nation on this earth. As no longer are the Israelites God's people, it's all those who have faith in Jesus become God's people. Now, backing up, about 400 years after Jacob is on the scene, we find his descendants, the Hebrew people or the Israelite nation, they're slaves in Egypt. They originally found themselves in Egypt as friends, as as welcomed residents within the Egyptian empire. But as a few pharaohs changed over and they no longer viewed these Israelites as friends, they enslaved them. And they were enslaved in Egypt for more than 400 years. And they cried out to God and said, do you remember that promise you made to our our forefather Abraham? How you were going to bless him and bless his family and bless his descendants to bless the world? Well, we're enslaved in Egypt. It doesn't look like we have a lot of your blessings, God. And God said, I'm going to set you free and I'm going to give you a place to call your own. I'm going to give you your own homeland. And so God leads the people out of Egypt And as they're making their way to this promised land, God meets them at Mount Sinai and says, hey, I'm going to give you some rules to live by, and I'm going to give you instructions on how to build a tabernacle, a place where I can dwell with you so I can live among my people and you can know that I'm with you. So in Exodus 31, we're given the beginning of the instructions of how to build the tabernacle. And this is what Exodus 31 says. Now there's some weird names in here. Be thankful that you have a 20th or 21st century name and not a 15th, 14th century BC name, but we'll get through it. And so Exodus 31, starting in verse 1. And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood, to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahizamach, of the tribe of Dan. 
And I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you. Here's what I love about this passage of Scripture. Now, it would be easy to read through it, because then next we get into all the instructions on how to build the tabernacle. And God says, use this material and make it at these dimensions and build it like this. And um, there's actually specific reasons for why God does that, and we'll talk about that another time. But it would be easy to read through these passages, stumble over some odd names, and then get to all these instructions and miss this powerful point. The Spirit of God comes and fills these individuals to do the work God had called them to do, to do sacred work. As they were doing carpentry and stonework and engraving and construction. You see, in our world, sometimes we have created this false dichotomy of there is sacred work and there is secular work. There's some kinds of work that are special and holy, and then there's mundane work. And the Bible would say, no, 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 no. God's Spirit will fill you to do what God has called you to do, and that makes all work sacred. There's no unholy work. There's no unholy tasks. There's no unholy responsibilities when the Spirit of God is leading and filling you to do it. I love just about everything about the old Puritans. Um, I know, I'm weird. But I love history and, and I love the Puritans. And aside from a lot of things they accomplished and a lot of their teaching and, and their theology, my, one of my most favorite things is the theology of calling that the Puritans taught. They taught that everyone was called to three things. Number one, they're called to salvation. A recognition that we are totally dependent on God for our salvation. That because of sin, none of us can fix ourselves. Only God can do that work for us. So God calls people to salvation. The next is that God calls people to holiness. To do the right thing. And third, God calls everyone to a vocation. And the way the Puritans would teach their people is that every calling is a holy calling. In essence, every calling is a calling to ministry. If God called you to be a carpenter, then that is God's ministry for you. That is what God has designed you to do. And if you will do your duty, if you will live out your calling as God designed you to do it, Regardless of what that task was, that was a holy calling. So whether God's called you to be a, an architect or a plumber or a school teacher, whatever it is, if you do it, and you do it to the best of your ability, you do it with honesty and with integrity, that is a holy, sacred calling. Even here in the Old Testament, we see the Holy Spirit filling people to do these craftsman trades to the glory of God. Which brings us to our third point. All work should be done for the Lord. Look at with me Colossians 3. Whatever you do, work heartily. As for the Lord, not for men. 
knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Our job, our focus is to work for the Lord, not our boss. Now, what we also learn in Scripture is that God has placed authorities over us, so we still have to do what our bosses say. But in the end, we're working for the Lord. Which changes our perspective on what we do, why we do it, and to what quality of care we give it. It doesn't matter if you're sweeping floors, or if you're cleaning toilets, or you're doing something that no one else will ever see. We're doing it for the Lord. We're honoring God by serving him, by doing what we're called to do to the best of our abilities. And let's be honest, some of us will find ourselves in places where you, you may think, I'm called to this industry. And then you find yourselves one day cleaning toilets. Maybe within that industry, but not doing what you wanted to do. Doesn't change the fact that when you're doing it, you're doing it for the Lord. So when you show up on Tuesday, you're not showing up to work for the man or work for Uncle Sam or whoever it is or whatever it is that you're doing. You're there to serve the Lord. You're there to honor him in all that you do with your integrity, with your work ethic, with your honesty. Students, we have a lot of elementary and middle school and even a few high school here. When you show up to school on Tuesday, you're not just completing assignments because your teacher told you to. You're there to serve and honor the Lord. So the way in which you conduct yourself, the way in which you do your work, that is your opportunity to serve the Lord. Not just follow your teacher's instructions. And here's the last point I want to make. We are saved by grace and we are saved for good works. Look here at Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You and I are not saved by our works. You and I, no matter how hard we work, can't be and are not good enough. We are completely and totally dependent on the grace of God. Sin has fractured this whole world. It's made work more difficult It's made relationships more difficult. And sin has also fractured our relationship with God and only God can repair it. And that's what he did on the cross with the death of his son, Jesus. You and I are not saved by our work. None of us are good enough or strong enough or faithful enough or could do enough good work. We are saved by grace, not by works. However, we are saved for good works. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are God's workmanship. We are the result of God's good work. 
And he has called you and I to good work. From the foundation of the world. Before you were ever in existence, God prepared beforehand work for you. Now that work may be glorious and glamorous and get a lot of attention, or it may be something that most people will never know or understand or even appreciate fully. But God has called you to good works. Not only did he create you for them, but it was a part of his grand design to create all of us for good work. That is God's plan for us. We are not saved by good works, but we are saved for them. And it's something that God has called us all to. And so this weekend, and I hope you do have tomorrow off, I hope you enjoy your time off. I hope it's restful and relaxing and it prepares you for Tuesday morning. But in the end, when you go to work, whether it's tomorrow morning, tomorrow night, tonight, or Tuesday morning, I hope that you recognize that you're there to work and to serve the Lord. That God has created you for this. And here's the the final point. If you do your work with honesty and integrity to the best of your ability as though you're serving not a boss but the Lord himself, your work is sacred. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that we have this moment to come and to think and to reflect. I think we can all recognize that we understand sin has fractured this world, that uh, work and relationships are much more difficult than, than they were designed to be. But Lord, that you have created us for work. That you set us apart for good works. But we all also recognize that our good works are not good enough to save us. And that's why, Lord, in this moment, we want to celebrate your grace. Because it meets us where we're at. Because it does for us what we could not do for ourselves. And Lord, that's why we lift your name up. That's why we sing. That's why we celebrate. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your work in us. I want to invite you to keep your eyes closed for a minute as we close. Um, We're going to close with a final song. And it's our chance to sing about God's grace. About God's work. about what God has done in this world and in our lives. We were saved for good works, but we are never saved by our own work, only by the work of God. And so this is our moment to recognize that, to sing about it, and to celebrate it. This is our chance to open our minds and our hearts to the ways in which God wants to speak. And maybe this morning... You have never accepted God's free gift of salvation. Maybe you've spent your, your, your life trying to work for it and earn it and be good enough to deserve it. Maybe this is the moment that you open your heart and say, I'm not good enough and I can't earn it. I'm not able to work for it and earn it, but Lord, I'll accept it. 
I'll accept your free gift of salvation. What you have done on the cross on my behalf. So that I can become who you created and designed me to be. And maybe for you, that's this moment for you to open up your hearts. But you respond to the Lord however he leads you in this moment. As we celebrate his grace in our lives. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for all the work that you do on our behalf and in our lives and in this world as we celebrate who you are and all that you've done for us.